Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God, we gather in this place to hear from you. You are sufficient for all of our needs. So open our minds to the truth in your scripture today. By the power of the Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our scripture reading today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. Hear these words. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, friends. I'm excited to be able to uh, share a little bit of my story with you today and uh, for us to get to know each other's stories a little bit more. Over the coming few weeks, uh, my name is Anthony Lavodi. I'm the new youth director here at Chapelwood, and I've been invited to give the message this morning. Um, it's a little bit of who I am and what I've been through to get uh, here today. So I'm excited to share with you. Uh, the generosity that y'all have shared with me and my family uh, in our first getting here has been absolutely overwhelming. Many of you have given us meals or cards or gifts, and it's been absolutely amazing, y'all. They, they say it's different in the South. They say it's, it's nicer and it's more polite. Y'all are so polite. I love it. I love it. I can tell you from firsthand experience that coming from the frigid tundra of the North, it is different down here and it's good. Um, people are like holding doors for us and they're offering to carry things. And there's a, there's a story that happened at the very beginning of us being here that I think illustrates this well. We went to the Richwood City Hall so that we could get our water and sewer and garbage bill and everything all taken care of for that. So we went there and took care of that that morning. And then we were about to leave and we saw this, uh, this lady who had just this giant Rubbermaid container full of old medication. And she's trying to get in the door. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we're going to open that up for you. And you know what, ma'am, can I, can I take that for you? And she said, oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. And I carried it over to the place where you deposit all the old medication, the little receptacle. And she kind of said, thank you very much. And I started to walk out. And I turned to look back and saw it was still a little difficult. So I said, man, why don't I help you with that? And, and picked up the, the box and held it. And we kind of scooped it all into, the, uh, into the, the receptacle thing. And we put it down. And, and, I, and I gave it back to her and said, uh, you know what? Ma'am, why don't I just take that to your car for you? And she goes, I am just so glad I live in Texas. And I thought, you know, this is funny. <laughs> because <laughs> we literally just moved here today from Chicago. And she looked at me and she goes, well, you act like a Texan. <laughs> and I went, oh my goodness, isn't that right? Like, I love being in a place where it's expected that you'll be good to people, that you'll be polite. It's absolutely awesome. And I love that feeling that I get. It's like, oh, that, that made me chipper all day. I loved it. It was great. 
the Bible has a little something to say about helping people, right? Like, there's that, you know, thing called the golden rule, uh, do unto others. As you would have them do. Well done. Good job. Y'all get a Sunday school point. Great job. <laughs> now, a little, uh, little thing about me. Um, I, I grew up going to Sunday school every Sunday. I think by the time I got into college, I could count on my fingers the amount of times that I had not gone to church on a Sunday. Um, now it's my fingers and toes and a couple other appendages, but that's okay. Um, I grew up going to Sunday school. Uh, I went to a private Christian school since I was in third grade. I went to youth group on Sundays and on Wednesdays, and I went to a Christian college. I had banked up quite a few Sunday school points by the time I got to college. And you know what? I got to college thinking, I think that I'm going to blow these people out of the water with my knowledge and how smart I am about the Bible. I got this in the bag. Well, it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> I was not able to show up to a uh, college-level Bible class and surprise people by knowing what the words said. There's much more to it than that. Uh, and on top of that, they don't exactly teach financial stability courses to high school Christian students at my Christian school. Uh, so I wasn't sure how to handle my money either. One year, I thought I could buy a car and books at the same time. I think the books were more expensive, actually. <laughs> I ended up overdrawing my account by about $400. That's a lot for a college student who's making a little less than $80 every two weeks. So I needed some help. The Bible has a little something to say about helping others. But it also has something to say about receiving help. So I'm going to dive into our passage today, and I'm going to invite you to dive in with me. Here's the context of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a letter to the Corinthian church, the second one, written by the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to solicit funds for the church in Jerusalem. Yes, that's right. They were doing church fundraisers in the first century. <laughs> Tradition is on our side. <laughs> See, Paul was this guy, kind of important. He had a major conversion experience on the road to Damascus with the resurrected Christ, and thus he became a significant force in early Christian thought. Paul was originally a Pharisee, a strict adherent to the law of Moses, and a persecutor of followers of Jesus Christ. That meant his conversion was all the more miraculous. One might think that Paul, encountering Jesus, would leave his knowledge of the law behind as he embraced the life and teaching of Jesus. However, that is exactly what he did not do. Paul, knowing that part of the law uh, is to take care of the poor, the widowed, and the orphaned, and the alien among God's people would be aware of their very specific rules outlined in the Bible. Now, you might know these books as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, uh, and Numbers is in there somewhere too. So those books are called the Torah or the law. So Paul, being a Pharisee, knows this inside and out. So he knows that there's a certain amount of field that can be harvested and there needs to be some left over so that those who do not have resources can glean them from the fields of the Israelites. These laws, the laws about the field and all that, 
were made as part of this covenant, this promise that God made with Israel. They said God would take care of the Israelite people, and that would happen through the following of these laws that God gave them, so that everyone would have plenty, so that they wouldn't get sick by eating things that would make them not feel good, and they didn't really have ways to cook very well back then. It's kind of a whole, like, uh, just very complicated thing. But what's not complicated is that God gave these laws to give a sense of justice for all. Now, when I say justice, what I mean is that God wanted everyone, no matter who they were, no matter how hard they worked, to have basic access to, you know, living things like food and water. Even while there was drought or even while there was inability to get land to tend, Paul knew that there were these rules governing how to take care of those who were in need. So there's this one rule in Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8. It says, if anyone among you is in need, a member of your community or any of your towns in the land that Yahweh your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. Rather, you should open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. And there's another one in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10 that says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. That means the stuff that's on the outside or has fallen to the ground. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather them the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. If Paul knew these rules, then Paul knew that the covenant made in the Hebrew Bible, or the Old Testament, applied to him as a Jewish person. He also knew that Christ had not abolished the law, but fulfilled it. So Paul knows that assistance is written into the very fabric of his religion's code. So when he writes the Corinthians to ask them for money, Paul knows I'm within the bounds of Jewish law. But here's the thing. Corinth is not a Jewish city. He's not writing to Jewish people. He's writing to Gentiles, non-Jewish people. So he's not asking for help and saying, y'all need to follow the law and help other people. He's not doing that. Instead, what he does is he opens himself up to spur on their generosity. See, before this, uh, the Bible passage, Paul recounts a little bit of his ministry experience, and he says, hey, I've done a lot for the church, and I totally could just brag about how great I am. But he doesn't. He goes, but instead of bragging, I'm going to tell you this. There's a thorn in my flesh. And I prayed to God three times, God, take this away. Nobody really knows what that thorn is. It could be a number of things. But Paul is admitting that he has a flaw. So he says that God, after praying three times, God responds to Paul. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Because the power of grace can dwell within me that way. Because when Paul is weak, then Paul is strong. Now, I don't know when the last time you had a stewardship campaign that had the pastor stand up in the middle of it and say, hey, I'm very flawed and I'm okay with that. Hand in your pledge cards. <laughs> but Paul does this. He admits that he cannot do it all on his own. He admits that he's flawed and he continues to ask for money anyway. 
Well, he ends up raising the money. <laughs> Amazing how that works. But could you imagine if Paul had said, hey y'all, you should probably give me your money. I mean, I did start your church after all, and I'm kind of amazing. I helped get a lot of followers for Jesus. Pony up. That'd be bad. Can you imagine what message that would send to the Corinthian church? And then what message would that convey to our church today? Paul had a choice. Paul could ask for the money because, hey, I'm in charge here. I know what's going on. Paul could say nothing and just hope that people give him the money that like, you know, maybe they'll hear that the church in Jerusalem needs some cash and they'll just happen to throw it this way. Or he could be vulnerable and ask for help. Now, I hear that Texans are too polite to brag. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. But, but I do know this. I want to ask this question. Is it easier to give help or to receive help. Y'all, remember I told a little story about how I overdrew my account by like $400? Well, as it turns out, I had class right after this little mishap, uh, and I sat down at my desk and sighed really deeply, and the professor asked everyone, are there any prayer requests? Because remember, Christian college. <laughs> in that moment, I had a choice. I could say nothing. I could hope that someone would find out about my need. But for some strange reason, I didn't. I raised my hand and I asked and said, can we pray about the fact that I, I really screwed up? I made a bad decision and I tried to buy a car and buy books at the same time. I overdrew my account by like $400. I, I pray that God will help me figure this out. And it was uncomfortable. Oh, my gut twisted. People looked at me like, damn, this kid doesn't know anything, let alone how to handle my money. Someone said, oh, I've been there. But, like, everyone else was like, mm, this guy, I don't know. Except the professor. The professor looked at me with grace, prayed for everybody, including me, and we continued on with class. Have you ever been in a situation where you weren't sure how people were going to respond when you asked for help? Have you noticed how much easier it is to pray for other people's healing or other people's situation rather than your own? Is it difficult to admit where you feel weak? Fast forward in my story to the next day. I go to check my mail like I always do and I'm still stressed out about how I'm going to find this money. And I grab my mail and I start to thumb through it and I notice something that stands out from the regular junk mail. It's a plain envelope, white, with no address or stamp on it. Immediately, I'm curious, I tear open the envelope, and inside is $400. My mouth dropped to the, yeah, like, y'all, what? My mouth dropped to the floor. I looked inside, and I saw a folded piece of paper, and I thought, oh, gosh, someone's going to be on here, and I can thank them for this. And I opened it up, and I, I held open the paper, and this is what it said. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. 
For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. What does it mean to be weak? Weakness is difficult in our culture. There's even a stigma associated with the word. So often that we are told that weaknesses need to be constantly worked on, that they aren't okay in the workplace or in school. Pain is weakness leaving the body. But our values may be out of whack as Christians if we think that asking for help is weakness. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, someone who has the ability to brag in the early church more than anyone, admits to his weakness and declares it as strength. So the next time you need help, I'm going to challenge you to ask for it. Even if it seems too great, even if it seems like no one could help you with whatever you're going through, ask anyway. You could pray. You could ask someone else. You could just talk to someone you'd never think you'd talk to. Just ask. You never know when God can use your weakness as strength. You never know what kind of envelope you're going to get in the mail. Because when you are weak, then you are strong. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.